Oh, so good. You know that song was written by a drummer because the lyrics make zero sense. You know, whenever the drummer wants to write a song, it's just like, don't. You know, like, you don't know. You got no lyrics. You got no melody. All you want to do is drum. But anyways, that was fun. That was so good. The ox and lamb kept time. You know what I mean? No vocalist wrote that. <laughs> well, Merry Christmas, everybody. How's everybody feeling on this great Christmas Sunday? Sunday before Christmas. Well, yeah, we are going to get into a Christmas message in just a moment. But first, before we do, I want to take a moment, let you know something that's upcoming that we're excited about as a church in the month of January. We are, welcome home, Nick. Good to see you, man. Merry Christmas. We are, uh, you know, you got the people that are like returning home and it's just like, this could be all service. And we got you and you. Uh, so, yeah, we've got an exciting message series coming up in the new year. It's called Hey DJ, and it's going to be a series with a whole lot of celebration. In fact, we're going to have some kids DJ-led dance parties led by our own Tara Preston MC. What, what? Uh, it's just going to be absolutely crazy, and we're pretending they're for the kids, but really, like, how many adults? You, just, you know you need to get free, and you need to, yeah. And so it's going to be a serious message series as well. The reason we came up with this idea of Hey DJ is just that there's, there's always this track playing in our minds, right? Guilt, shame, oppression, challenge, uh, ruminating on the challenges of life. And I think we need to start the new year changing the track. Wah, wah, you know what I'm saying? Like just that, I need to scratch records better than that. <laughs> but uh, that's what the series is all about. It's about changing the track that's playing in your mind. And actually the Bible says that you can renew that mind of yours. And, uh, and uh, so we're going to begin the series, or the new year, with an absolutely exciting series. Well, this morning, we're actually, if you're new with us, we're in week number three of a message series that we've called Unexpected. And we wanted to do two things in this series. The first thing we wanted to do was, of course, get into the Christmas spirit, and just get ourselves into the story. And so we've been looking at the story in a few different ways. We're going to look at it again this morning. And of course, that's important to us this time of year. But the second thing we wanted to do was to bring a message series that touched a felt need in your life. Because studies actually show that it's this time of year where you're more in touch with your problems and your pain. It's just the way, it's not that you've got more of them, it's that you're more aware of them in your life. And so we, what we wanted to do is bring you a message series and a message today that I'm just praying for you will be uplifting and encouraging. And I want to talk to you this morning about this idea about being confident and close to God. Being confident and close. Uh, this week was our four-year-old daughter's preschool Christmas production. How many parents you had the, uh, the, the Christmas productions this week? Yeah, some preschool. I know uh, you guys rocked three of them. Like, you were just all over the map. Pastor Troy didn't even work this week. He was just production to production to production. Well, our four-year-old daughter, Avia, she had her her preschool Christmas production, and they—they—it's a—it's a Christmas—it's a, a Christian preschool, and so they were reenacting the biblical Christmas story. And now Avia, and I'm not a biased dad at all, but Avia is a fantastic actress, like really top shelf, a great actress. And I was a little disappointed when I heard that the part that she got, she got the worst part in the entire Christmas production. She was shepherd number two. Like the little boy that got to play Gabriel, this kid had like, this kid had lines. I mean, his lines were, if I can remember, it was something like, uh, God's sending you a baby and he'll, you'll be his mother and he'll be our savior, a king like no other. And uh, he had four lines of dialogue, this little fella. He did a great job, by the way. But anyways, but then there was my daughter and, 
And she loved the story so much, but yet she's shepherd number two. And she only had three words in one line. Her only line, shepherd number two, was, I'm so scared. That's it. Now, I want to I wanna believe the best about her teacher. I want her to feel like she's got decision-making authority in the classroom. But I am that dad. Because I'm like, come on. My kid... Like, Abby would come home every day, and she would want to reenact the whole thing. And she had every kid's lines memorized. So she would give us all parts, and she'd be like, Daddy, you can be Joseph. And she would feed me the lines like a director. Like, if you've got a kid in your classroom that knows every line to the whole thing, why is she, I mean, why is she, I, this is a bit of therapy for me. Why <laughs> is she Shepherd number two, and I, I kind of maybe can understand it a little bit, and I mentioned this last week, Abby's in a season of life where she uses a lot of bathroom language, a lot of potty talk, and if, you know, if you've ever been around a child at that age and stage, you know what I'm talking about, and I can see that the teacher probably reasoned to herself that if I give her an angel role, say angel number two, like I can't have an angel standing up and saying, you know, instead of saying like glory to God in the highest, the angel gets up and is like knock, knock, who's there, pee and poo, like that's possible, and so the teacher's thinking, you know what? If potty language is going to come out somewhere, it might as well come out with a kid that's so scared because it kind of actually would then fit the part, right? Like, so she's thinking, she's thinking very directorial. She's putting it all together. You'll get that later. Uh, and so Avia is, Avia is shepherd number two. I'm so scared. Now, I wanted to really heighten the drama of the part for her. And so we would rehearse it. And what I would do is I would just, I would say, Avia, pretend I'm a bear running at you. And I go running towards her. And I'm like, what do you say? What do you say? And she's like, I'm so scared. And I think it really worked out in, in heightening the drama. Let's check this out. This was new to the shepherds, and they were quite scared. What is that noise? What is that sound? I am so scared! <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? The only moment of laughter in the entire Christmas production was because my daughter was twice as loud as anybody else on the platform. I'm so scared. And, you know, it felt to me like it was an afterthought. It felt to me like it was a poor part. But as the more I got thinking about it, I, I began to think maybe I'm so scared isn't an afterthought. Maybe it's the only part of the story that we can all relate to. I'm so scared that this depression isn't going to end. I'm so scared that the check's going to bounce. I'm so scared that my marriage is irreparable. I'm so scared that because my marriage did break down, I'm not going to be able to trust again. I'm so scared as I'm walking into this chemo appointment. Maybe I'm so scared isn't an afterthought. Maybe I'm so scared is the only thing that we can all collectively get. And so this morning I want to bring a message on, on what it would be like to live confident and close to God. This is how... The gospel writer Luke talks about this I'm so scared line. In Luke uh, chapter 2 verse 8 it says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled <coughs> with great fear. And so what we see here is that the glory of God shows up and they feel afraid. And I think we need to press into this idea. Why did they feel afraid when the glory of God showed up. Here's what I think it is. I think we can all intuitively understand that, that something that's not like us or that doesn't look like us, we intuitively, we sort of lean away from, but stuff that's just like us, we lean towards. 
And I think that God designed us this way from the beginning. The Bible says at the very beginning that God created us in his image. So there was this part of us that was like God. And I think God obviously did that on purpose so that we would lean into him in this intimate, connected relationship that we felt safe in, that we felt like we would want to lean into. But then sin comes into the world and all of a sudden there's this difference between us and God and we find ourselves now leaning away from God. The Bible says something very interesting about the initial response to sin in the Bible. It says this in Genesis 3.8, and we'll tie this into the Christmas story in just a moment. But this is what it said the response to sin was. It says that they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, and the man and his wife hid themselves. And so God is coming close. God is coming near. And what do we do? We turn, and we run, and we hide. And we say, I'm so scared. And I think this is the reason so many people actually believe in God but aren't sure how they want to live out the faith journey. What would it look like for me to lean all in trusting and believing and walking with God and being close to him? Oh, it's one thing for me to believe that he exists, but hang on a minute. Don't ask me to get too close. I'm afraid of that. Well, what what does the Bible say about this? What does God do? This is where we tie it back into the Christmas story. God understands that now we are in this posture because of sin, of leaning away from him. And in his infinite wisdom, what does he do? He sends Jesus. How? Looking just like us. The glory of the Christmas story is that God came looking just like you and I, so you and I would not have to be afraid. So you and I wouldn't have to turn and run. So we'd no longer be leaning in the opposite direction. No, God wants you confident. God wants you close. He proved it by coming looking just like you. And this is so different than our ideas of religion or our ideas of faith. The the ideas that we have about religion are that uh, stay away if you don't look, think, and act like I do. But the God of the Bible comes running to you like a father even when you look nothing like him. That is the glory of the Christmas story. And so this morning I want to talk about how we live confident and close to God. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, no, I feel like I'm, I'm on the periphery. You know, like when you, when you show up new to church, I understand it. We have this lean away from that which is new to us. And so, you know, if you're brand new here today, it's, it's not likely you're sitting in the front row. But there's an invitation from God to be face-to-face, confident and close. And so what I want to do is I want to actually go on a journey through the story and see what I think are three steps to closeness that we see in the reaction of the shepherds to the angels. Three steps to closeness. Let's pick up Luke's gospel again. In verse 10 it says, And the angels said to them, to these shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then verse 15 says this, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see. Let's go and see. The first step to closeness is simply this. It's to show up. Let's go and see. This is what we do if we're not sure of something. I'm just going to go check it out. I'm just going to go see. There's another account of the birth of Christ in the Bible. It's in Matthew's gospel. Matthew doesn't talk about these go and see shepherds. He talks about the wise men. The wise men know all the signs to look for. They don't need someone to come and tell them to go and see the Savior. They've researched. They've studied. They know what it's going to look like when a Savior comes. 
And so what do they do? When they see the signs, they pack up the best stuff they've got, the gifts, and, and they go to see Jesus, and they, they bow down before him, and they present gifts, and they worship him. Not so the shepherds. The shepherds don't even stop at Walmart for a, like, way to go Mary card. Like, they just, they show up unannounced. They didn't tell anyone they were coming. They didn't bring anything. They don't worship, and this is beautiful. God, in his infinite wisdom, invites skeptics to the birth party. Man, that's good news for you if you're here today and you did not show up believing what we've sung about and bringing gifts and worshiping God. You know what? You just need to know that it's okay to just show up. In fact, God wanted you to know you're the exact person he sent the invitation to. Some people believe the wise men didn't even show up till much later. They're the only people actually at the birth. My God, we're the skeptics. I just got chills thinking about my God calling me confident and close. I'm going to preach myself happy this morning. (laughs) So Rachel and I, I don't know if you saw, uh, my wife Rachel, she came up after that first song. And so for all of you who are, you know, in the room on time this morning, you would have seen her wonderful, beautiful face. And and she came up and she has this beautiful uh, belly because she is, uh, we're about to have our third baby. And... um, and we're expecting on the first week of January. And I, like the second service might not even get me. It might just be like, you know, there might be no preaching in the second service. We could have a baby a- at any moment. We. <laughs> you have to tell me later, baby, were they clapping for you or because I said we? I think you were clapping because I said we, right? Just there was an identification. You love them. <laughs> Lay my pride at the altar, Lord. We were talking recently about who we wanted at the birth. It's an important time. It's a sacred moment. For our first baby, we had a doula. And at first, I was hyper skeptical of this whole doula idea. Because I'm like, what's a doula do? I don't understand this. Like other occupations, you get it, right? Right from the title of the occupation, an engineer does what? They engineer, thank you. A teacher does what? A doula does what? What is that? Is that a verb? Doula? Do they sing? I don't understand. What is it? What do you do? We had a doula for our first, and she was wonderful. But then our second, we actually had the same doula signed up and ready to go, but then we had our second, as most of you will know, in Kelowna five weeks early, and so we didn't have anyone to doula, or doulaing, or do doulas, whatever. That we didn't have. So we're just discussing it now for the third baby. What do we want to do? How are we going to do this? Are we going to do that? What are we going to do? I don't know. I'll be the doula. We can figure it out. It's a beautiful thing to be there in the room, to get the invitation. God of the universe sends an invitation to people who don't even know what they're going to see. Their only reaction is, I'm just going to show I think that's a beautiful invitation for us in the room this morning. I, I hope it would cause you to think maybe this God wants to be closer to you than you think that you would even feel comfortable with. But what's the second thing they do? What's the second step to closeness? I think this is important to note. The second is that they investigate. They, in, they investigate. Look at the text. It says this in verse 16. They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph 
and the baby lying in a manger. And, and it doesn't say that they stood on the outside looking in. No, they step in and they investigate. Watch what happens. It says, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. When they saw it, I think there's some people in the room this morning, and for you, before you leave this place today, there is going to be something that you saw, some aspect of God's character, nature, or presence in this room that caused you to be like, oh, I see it, and I believe it. And you're going to take a step towards closeness with God today. Others of you, the step you take, it might just be to make a decision to investigate. And God's okay with that. Maybe for you it's going to, say, to be to say, in 2019, I'm just going to make a decision to no longer just believe in God, but to investigate what it might look like for me to live close to God. Maybe that's your next step today. But there is a call from God. Come on. Don't just come and see. Investigate. It's not until they get up close and personal that the Bible says that when they saw it, then they began to make known the saying. And then we see this, of course, in verse 20. And this is where we see the third thing in the story, the third step to closeness. Verse 20 says, The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, or heard and seen, as it had been told to them. As it had been told to them. This is one of the most radical moments in a story that is absolutely full of radical moments. That the very first people charged with describing the birth of a Savior to the world are those that know very little about God. It is a group of uneducated men that can share nothing other than what has just been told to them by the angel. They don't know Old Testament scriptures. They don't know prophecies. They don't understand anything but the, the things that they've just been told by an angel. Which means the only three things that they can go turn and tell humanity about a Savior is this. Number one, what did the angels say? Don't be afraid. It's like Kevin in Home Alone. I'm not afraid anymore. You hear me? I'm not afraid anymore. The first message that comes to these shepherds. So obviously this is the first thing that they can then turn and tell other people. You, you don't have to be afraid of your, of your pain and your brokenness. You, you don't have to walk into that chemo appointment with no hope. You don't have to wonder what it would look like if you got close to God. The first thing that they've turned and now they can say to people is the first thing they heard from the angels. You don't have to be afraid. Well, what was the second thing? This is good news of great joy. Again, all they know to say, don't be afraid, and hey, this is a celebration. We're not like sure what all the celebration is about, but we just want to let you know that God said it's okay to lean into the party. It's okay, hey, DJ. Come on, we're going to DJ dance with our kids. It's okay to turn up the volume in 2019 and celebrate and have a good time in the presence of God. This is the God that you serve. This is, this is it. Listen, I'm all for the deep theological messages. But there is something powerful about the simplicity of the message that God sent to humanity, a group of people that knew nothing but three things angels told them. Number one, let go of fear. Number two, get a hold of some joy. Oh, it was the third thing. What was the third thing that the angel said? It was just this. It's for all people. Here is the extent of God's creation, uh, our Savior announcement to creation. Let go of your fear, grab hold of some joy, and uh, yeah, this is for you. 
So the angel in the story says to Joseph, uh, Joseph, you're going to give this baby a bunch of different names. One of them is going to be the name Emmanuel, and it means God with us. And this is so important. It's never been us with God, implying that we did something to get to God, that we did something that allowed us to be confident and close to him. No, it's God with us. He's the one that left the comfort of heaven, the beauty of heaven, the glory of heaven, to be born in a stable. Come on, he's the one that left angels singing his names to be raised by an impoverished teenager. He's the one that died on a cross so that you would never have to wonder what would it look like if I got close to God? Or could I live in his presence? Could I be confident and close? Well, if this is who God is, what's our reaction? What do we need to do? I think it's simply this today. The God who says, come on, skeptic, come and see, investigate, and in my presence, when you get close enough, and when you see it, you can understand who I am. What do you need to do today? I believe it's as simple as to make an invitation to God into your life. It's really that easy. The Bible has always said that salvation is a gift on the basis of your faith, not on the basis of what you do or will do. It's an invitation. So I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. I think maybe there's someone in the room or multiple people in the room today that you don't want to leave this service the way that you came in. And I'm going to conclude this message in a moment before we go back into some worship and some singing with a response prayer. And if today you would say, yeah, I, I want to make an invitation for God to come into my life, to be confident and close. I want to surrender my life to him, maybe for the very first time through faith in Jesus. Or maybe a return to God. If that's you today, and you'd be making that invitation. We won't center you out or embarrass you anyway. I simply want to include you in a closing prayer. But if you're going to pray that along with me, would you just slip up your hand and say, yeah, today, today I'm making a decision to come to God through faith in Jesus. Would you just slip your hand up and keep it up for a moment? Say, yeah, that's me. Would you include me in that closing prayer today? I don't want to be on the periphery anymore. I want to be confident and close. your heads bowed and eyes closed, would you pray this prayer with me? If you raise your hand, just pray this from your heart. It's not the words that matter. It's the faith in your heart. Resonate, would you pray this as well with me? Just say, dear Jesus, I give you my life and I invite you in confident and close. I believe you came. You died for me. You rose again. So in this moment, by faith, I'm radically free, forgiven, and loved by God deeper than I can even imagine. I choose to lean into it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, Resonate. Can we put our hands together for those who pray that in this place this morning?